the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello again and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Let's join Dudley now with today's message. So today we begin our series, Take Your Bibles, Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And as we begin, I want you to know that the Apostle Paul had his own share of troubles. He had his own share of problems. You'll see these problems as we go through the book. But the question is this, when you go through tough times, to whom shall we turn? Who do you turn to? Who do you run to when you're hurting? Who do you run to when you're discouraged? Who do you turn to when you're feeling fearful? Did you know that some people turn to food? Do you know that? Because somehow eating makes them feel better. Some people run to drugs and alcohol. They, they get in a bad place and they turn to the bottle. And the drugs and the alcohol, listen, they never solve the problem. It never takes away the pain. It, it, it dulls your senses. You don't feel the heartache, but eventually the heartache always comes back. Who do you turn to? Write this down, number one. God is a God of all comfort. No matter what you're going through, God can bring you comfort. Look at verse 3. Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. And Paul can say this because he's been through all kinds of difficulty. We will see later on in this letter as we go through this series that Paul had been beaten, he had been stoned and flogged and shipwrecked and imprisoned and left for dead again and again. He had been attacked physically, he had been attacked spiritually, he had been attacked relationally, he had been attacked emotionally, he had been attacked financially. We know in verse 8, just a few verses later, he says these words, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we even despaired even of life. He didn't even know if he was going to make it. In other words, Paul had been through the ringer. And when that time comes for you, when you have to go through the valley of the shadow of death, I want you to know that we serve a God of all comfort. And I want you to write this down. In the first few verses of chapter 1, the word comfort is found nine different times. And in the rest of this letter, it's mentioned 29 times. He wants us to know that no matter what happens to us, that we've got a God who's watching after us. We tend to think of comfort as something that makes us feel better. And we think of comfort as something that takes away the pain. But that's not what comfort is in the Bible. 
Comfort is not something that takes away the pain. I want you to write this down. The Greek word for comfort is the word parakleo, and it means to call alongside you. And another word, comforter or counselor, paraclete in the Greek, means to walk alongside you. And that picture makes sense, doesn't it? When you counsel or you comfort someone, you walk alongside them through their difficulty. In John's gospel, he says, the Lord Jesus uses this word to describe the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is a comforter, that he's a counselor. In other words, he will walk alongside you in the midst of your trouble. It never says that he's going to take your pain away to bring you comfort doesn't mean he's going to take your pain away. It simply means that he's going to walk with you through that trial. So when it says that he's a God of all comfort, it means that he's near to you, that he comes alongside you, that we don't serve a far-off deity who watches you struggle from afar while he remains safe up there in his ivory tower and he's down here looking at you in all of your pain. It, no, it means that he leaves the ivory tower and he comes to this earth and he walks with you through that situation and through that trial. He's with you every step of the way. Back in 1992 in the Summer Olympics in Barcelona, there was a runner by the name of Derek Redman of Great Britain. And Derek Redman that year was supposed to win. He was favored to win the 400-meter race. And about halfway around, he not just strains, but he actually tears his hamstring. And his dad is up in the stands. He comes down out of the stands and he fights through the security guards. And he helps his son finish that race. And that's exactly what God does for us. You might be hurting. You might be broken. You might be fearful. But you are not alone. God will bring you comfort, which means that he will come alongside you. Amen? Amen. Number two, write this down. God is a God of compassion. That's different than comfort. In fact, this verse, you you, you might have just read right over it, but the Bible says that God is the Father of compassion. What does it mean to be the Father of compassion? Well, it means to me that all compassion comes from God. That's His nature. You know you and I were created in His image. So whenever you feel compassion towards someone, that, that gift came from God. God is the Father of all compassion. Think of all the things that have been done in this world in the name of compassion. And all of that comes from God. And I want to make this clear that there is nothing that you're going through that God does not see, that God does not know, that God does not feel, that God does not care, that God does not fail to be with you. And the reason that God walks alongside you is because God cares about you. He does. That drug dealer, he doesn't care about you. The politician that lies to you just so you'll vote for him doesn't care about you. The advertiser that comes up with that Super Bowl commercial that makes everyone want to drink that particular beverage, that advertiser doesn't care about you. 
The abortionist that takes your money to abort your child doesn't care about you. The friend that tries to get you into the nightclub scene, that friend doesn't care about you. But the God of this universe who created you in his image, the God of this universe, he cares for you. You do know that all pain is relative. You know the difference between major and minor surgery? It's, it's minor if it's on you and it's major if it's on me. It doesn't matter if you're hurting a little or if you're hurting a lot, you still hurt. And it doesn't matter the amount of hurt or the amount of pain, there's a God in heaven who hurts for you. It's why he chooses to walk with you. Remember the words of Matthew 9. The Bible says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And on every row in this church, and you can look at them, you can count the number of rows. Look at your row. Look at the people who are sitting on your row. It doesn't matter. On every row in this church, there are people who are hurting. There are people who are broken. There are people who are going through some sort of turmoil. And Paul, at the start of this letter, by his own experience, he's writing this letter to the church, and he's going to talk about some very important things. He wants this church to go as deep as they can in their faith, but he wants them to know that, hey, no matter what you're going through, don't ever forget that there's a God in heaven who cares. He cares. He cares. He cares. (laughs) Write this down quickly. Number one, he gave up his one and only son for you. I I love that that line in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It's not like he had a thousand sons. And he said, hey, I'll give one. I still got 999 left. There's too many kids running around this place anyway. Here's one. Have him. No. It says that he only had one son. And he gave up his one son for you. Secondly, he promised that when he left, that he would send another counselor, comforter. We know as the Holy Spirit. I want you to, t- we're going to come right back, but go over to John chapter 14. I want to show you, I just want to read this, these verses to you, John chapter 14. If you know anything about John 14 in the context, Jesus is kind of at the end of his earthly ministry, and he tells the disciples that he's getting ready to go back into heaven. In fact, he talks about that in John chapter 14, verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Jesus is getting ready to leave, and the disciples are freaking out because he has been with them for three and a half years. And now he says that he's leaving. They are scared out of their mind. And so he says in John 14, if you go over to verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. What does that mean, another? Well, that means that he's been their counselor. He's the one who's walked with them. He was the one that was there when the storm was raging on the sea. He was the one when they were doubting. He was the one that was there giving the teachings and healing the blind and the sick. He's been with them every step for three and a half years, and now he's leaving, and he says, hey, I'm leaving, but chill, because when I leave, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you 
For how long? Forever. See, he was there for about three years. And he says, I'm leaving, but this next guy that's coming, he's not ever leaving. He'll be with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and he will be where? He will be in you. This is why when someone who doesn't know the Lord, they don't go to church, they have no faith, they don't know Jesus Christ, and they go through some terrible situation, they don't know where to turn because they're all, they're on their own. They are lost as lost can be. On the other hand, you and I as Christians, people who believe in God, put our faith in Jesus, and he's placed his spirit who lives inside of us, we go through the exact same trial as that person. We still hurt. It's still painful. But we know, and there's something that's hard to explain. We know we're going to get through this situation because we know that God is with us. This person over here who has no faith, he looks at us. You're going through the same trial as him. This person is completely freaking out. He can't figure out how you even go to work every day. How do you keep living? I am drowning over here. Well, I'm going through the same thing you're going through, brother, but I want you to know that there's a Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of me, and I I might look like I'm by myself over here, but there are two of us, and the one that is in me is greater than the one who's in the world. That guy over there, he can't can't even figure out how I'm getting through life. Look at that verse again, verse 17. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, verse 19, before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And the third thing, he gave you a family and a church. You're not alone. I mean, look around. You have a lot of brothers and sisters here today who love you and who care about you. It's why we have life groups in this church where you can get plugged in, accountability groups. I know, listen, I know if you're home or you're in your apartment or in your car and you're all by yourself, it's easy for you to think that there's no one in this world that cares, there's no one in this world that has compassion, that you're all alone and that you're lost and you don't realize That when you get up and you come to church week after week after week, when you walk in here, you walked into a large family, many people whom are going through the exact same thing you're going through. And that's why we have all these ministries in this church for people who are hurting. Where you can get plugged in and get involved, get in that life group. Ladies and gentlemen, God put the church together so that you would never feel like you were just alone through life. And it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter what state, what country, what nation. If there's a group of Christians who are meeting, they might speak an entire different language than you, but you walk into that church 
as a Christian, you have a home full of believers, fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we prepare to close, I want to look at this third point. Write this down. That God gives you enough comfort so that you can comfort others. God gives you enough. This is so true. You've got to learn this. God doesn't give you just enough for you. God gives you so much comfort, so much of His presence, that it just overflows out of you into the life of those who are around you. I want to go back and look at these verses again. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to God. Everybody say, praise be. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. He's the God of all comfort. Who, verse 4, who comforts us in all or some of our troubles, in all of our troubles, so that we can no longer feel pain. No, that's not what it says. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ, our comfort does what? It just overflows. I want you to write this down. Part of the way that God brings comfort is through people. God brings you comfort two different ways. One, He brings you comfort Himself. And secondly, he puts comfort in someone and it fills them up and it overflows out of their life into your life. And sometimes it doesn't seem right and sometimes it doesn't seem fair. But sometimes you go through such a difficult time that you barely get by and you realize that only God saw you through that difficult time. But the way you carry yourself and the way God blesses you and the way God graces you and the way God comforts you and you get through this situation with such dignity and such character that people around you are blown away by how well you handled that difficult circumstances and even blesses them the way you carried yourself through that difficult storm. My wife and I, you know, we've been going through some tough times with our family. My mom's almost 90. And my dad is getting close uh, to that age, but he's very, he's just having some serious situations where he, and probably in just a few weeks, he's going to have to be put in some type of nursing care facility. So I'm always driving back and forth from Fresno, and then my wife, her parents live in Kansas City, they're both in a nursing care facility because her dad cannot take care of her mom and her mom cannot take care of her dad. And we were on vacation last week. We were, we were on the other side of the world, literally. We were on the other side of the globe. And we got a text that they're, because they, we have a caregiver for them, because they, neither one can take care of the other one. They have a caregiver. We got a text that the caregiver had quit. And so they're in this apartment in Kansas City with no one to take care of them, and they can't take care of themselves. And I said, honey, we got to get back. We just hopped on the next plane and came all the way back. Because we had to. I got two brothers, one brother up in Fresno. He's been in good health, but he's been having seizures for about the last year. 
and he's, they keep becoming more and more frequent. He's now having about 10, 15, sometimes 20 seizures a day, sometimes even while he's preaching. Doctors don't know what it is, so he's going in for tests all the time. I've tried to get up to help him as well. My other brother, Dean, uh, lives in Arizona. He's, he's suffered through uh, a, a very rare a bone marrow cancer, and the doctors told him he didn't, he didn't have much chance, but my brother, I, I, he, he writes, and he, I don't know how he writes. The guy never studied one day of his life. <laughs> I'm serious. Do any of you have a brother like that? The guy never brought a book home from school, never listened while he was in school, never paid attention. He was in the principal's office half the time. I don't know how he, I don't know how he can spell his name. But he's been struggling with this stage four cancer, and he, he writes, when he writes, it's pretty good stuff. I mean, the stuff that comes to his head, but I, he just, this is one of his posts recently. He wrote, cancer can be downright devilish. Cancer isn't Magic Mountain or Disney World. This isn't a romp through the cactus and tumbleweed in Arizona. They have coyotes and rattlesnakes here. Someone inevitably comes up to me and burbles, cancer sucks. I look at him or her straight in the eye and say, yeah, cancer is the devil's island. No one likes to think or talk about cancer. Cancer makes you feel like a scared mouse in a burning building. If you're a passenger on the cancer train, you don't really care about your gold Rolex watch. You would much rather approach a lion or a pitiful mountain lion who's been on a diet Beating cancer is like Betty White winning a tap dance contest with Justin Timberlake. That's pretty good. Cancer doctors are an outfit that you'd want to get next to in a lifeboat. Beating cancer, you have to be like a timber wolf. You beat cancer with your head, your heart, your mind like a guy crawling through barbed wire with only a screwdriver or swimming, crossing a shark-infested ocean with a nosebleed. If you're on the cancer train, you need to be like a big Siberian husky. Picture yourself as a sled dog coming through life with your tail wagging an ongoing reality show. You're always appreciating every waking moment getting your priorities straight, sometimes even laughing at yourself. Someone with shallow faith getting on the cancer train will say, now this crisis is in God's hand. The truth is, it's always been in God's hands, and everything is always in God's hand. God is still running this planet, and God knows what He's doing. So he writes stuff like that. And... uh He encourages me. You say, how do you do what you do? I look at what he's doing. And the grace and the comfort that God has brought him overflows out of his life and in my life. You look at me, how, and you see, once, once you go through a difficult time, all of a sudden you have compassion for anyone else who's going through that exact situation, right? Isn't that the way it works? You go through something horrible and, and, and you come out of it 
somehow God got you through it, all of a sudden you have eyes where you're compassionate for anybody who's going through that. And that's how God works in the church. I want you to write this down. Don't ever see yourself as being unlucky. See yourself as being a blessing to the people who are around you. As you lean and trust and depend upon God and His grace and His mercy and His comfort in your life, you're able to be a blessing to those around you. Amen? Isn't that the way it works? That's the way it works. Hey, today I have one of my favorite resources uh, for you. It's called Proverbs in a Haystack. And if you've ever read through the book of Proverbs, I think there's over 3,000 Proverbs. And each proverb is a sermon in itself. And they're just full of rich wisdom. The problem with the book of Proverbs is when you need that one proverb, you can never find it. So if there's any theme or topic, or you're a teacher, or you're studying, and whatever that topic is, you can look up that topic. I probably have it in here because I have 2,000 topics. And when you look up that topic, it gives you a list of all the Proverbs that has to do with that particular topic. And that's why I call it Proverbs in a Haystack. And we're offering this book today for a gift of any size. This will give you a way to find all those Proverbs and to get all that wisdom inside your heart. We thank you for being with us today and be sure to join us again next week at the same time. And remember to always lift up Jesus.